Okay. Welcome back to Scissors and Scrubs. Yes. Here we are again from Laura's basement lovely on a lovely basement. July evening that started out to be hot as fucking hell. Yeah. And now it's freezing. Yeah. Typical and, New England weather. Foggy. And, and foggy. And foggy. I was like, let's go out to dinner in a nice outside restaurant. And by the time I got there, it was like September. Yeah. It had dropped minimum 20 degrees. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Since we've last recorded, we had the sub implosion. Which oh, I was yeah. Very invested in, Laura. I know. I was very. Everybody invested. was. I really, I, I'm as horrible as it sounds. I'm glad they imploded immediately. Oh, yeah. And didn't wait for no. five days for their. No. But, and then uh, just seeing them through that little window and be like, oh, they're coming, but we're suffocating right. to death. Or even like, what if they were popped up on the water and they couldn't get out because they're bolted? The 17 in. fucking bolts. Mm-hmm. If I have to get anything. I will never get in something that they're bolting from the outside. I, can tell I you don't that. need to go somewhere that I can watch it on TV. I can watch the Titanic on TV. I can in watch my the own Titanic, atmosphere. And then I have that lovely movie with Leo DiCaprio. Exactly. And I can still see the wreckage. I don't need to go no. into a death capsule no. down to the bottom. And so then was, screw me in with 17 screws. Exactly. No. I was very invested in that story. Mm-hmm. I was very sad. Was the only I'm glad they just died and didn't know. Right. It was the know. only time I watched a news conference in my life. Oh, I didn't even watch the news There was conference. like a three. Yeah, I was I like, Brian, I got to go. I'm watching the news conference. I got the news conference at three. And then the guy, God bless him, the guy doing the new con- news conference was like, uh, uh, duh, uh, uh. I'm like, buddy, you had to be better prepared for this new yeah. conference. You had to know these questions were coming. Right. So speaking of imploding capsules, um, we're going to talk about <laughs> <laughs> space travel. So yeah. we got a lovely email yes. that I'm going to read from Hannah in Sacramento, California. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Sacramento. Have I been there? I've been around it because Napa's up that way. I don't think a lot of people go to Sacramento. Well, it is the capital of California. I know, Florida. but I think if you're from there, you're from there. It is the capital. I know, I understand. Okay. Yep. And I believe Yosemite is somewhere in that vicinity. I Someday I'll go there. Okay. So it says, hi, Nicole. Hi, Laura. I love that we each get our own. Hi, Nicole. And that was hi, nice. Mom. It wasn't okay. just both of us. I love your guys' podcast. Exclamation point. I've been listening to the podcast for over a year now. What I think is so cool about this podcast is the humanity you both bring to every topic you cover. FYI, the lights in the basement are out, um, especially over where I'm sitting. So if I struggle reading, it's because I can't see the paper. All right. So give me a second here. I'm trying. Um, Whether you're talking about summertime in the 80s, one of my favorite episodes, my favorite episode. Thank you, because I loved it, too. Or accidents that have sadly taken the lives of many people. I appreciate that you leave your listeners with a note of encouragement or reminder to live well and be kind. I like how she puts that, what we say. When we're like, wear your helmets. Don't stop fucking being drink. an asshole. <laughs> stop fucking drinking on a motorcycle. All right. After I graduate from high school next year, I'm planning <gasps> on going to nursing school and becoming a nurse. She's very young. Yes, yeah, yeah, even better. Get the rest of the high schoolers to listen to. Um, good for you. Okay, besides my dad, everyone in my immediate family is involved in the medical field in some capacity. My mom, oldest sister, and brother-in-law are nurses. My two brothers are EMTs, and my big family, and my other older sister is in nursing school. I have several career interests, but becoming a nurse has become a dream in the past year or so. I'm at least somewhat aware of the ups and downs in nursing. I would think you would be with that many family members. But hearing the passion for nursing from members in my family and nurses like you make it seem absolutely worth it. I don't have a lot of ideas for future podcast episodes, but I'd be curious to hear about what you both think about the nursing shortages happening. My mom was born at the end of the baby boomer generation. She and a lot of nurses her age are planning on having 
planning on or have already retired. I'm not sure what percentage of nurses are baby boomers or Gen X. Well, you're talking to two Gen Xers right here. (laughs) But I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are on how all the retiring nurses could affect the nursing workforce. Also, since the crew of the Apollo 11 landed on the moon in July, you could do an episode on the moon landing and how astronauts medically prepared to travel to and from space, parentheses, like their fitness regimes, diets, and physical preparations to go to space, and things like quarantining when they return, change in muscle mass and bone mass, ETC. Hope it won't be too long until you both get to enjoy the summer heat. (laughs) (laughs) We must have been complaining. (laughs) Well, we're still not enjoying the summer heat. I've gotten five days. Hannah from Sacramento. Well, Hannah, maybe on another podcast we'll talk about the miseries of the shortage of nursing, but today we're talking about space. Space. You gave us a great idea. Thank you very much. So uh, we're going to cover some space travel. Yes. And what it does. And I'm going to cover a space tragedy. Also, Hannah, nursing is a great field to go into. Mm -hmm. I will never discover nurses. No. You know, there were so many nurses out there like, don't do it. It's terrible. It's awesome. I think it's a great career. Mm -hmm. It's a versatile career. It's a career you can always fall back on and make money no matter what. Right. Um, I highly encourage you to do it. Mm -hmm. If you, you have to do it because you want to, don't do it because somebody's telling you to do it. Don't tell, don't do it because you feel you have to do it. Do it because you want to do it. That's Mm -hmm. the only reason I would talk somebody out of it because- you ha- there's a part of you that has to like it because you're yeah. doing things for strangers you wouldn't do for yourself. Right. But if you want to do it, please Absolutely. do it. It's always, yeah. and you know what? My daughter's talking about going to nursing school and I don't know what her motives are for going. And I said to her, I'll, I'll never talk you out of it. No. I'm not going to talk you into it, but I'll never talk you out of it. No. And I said, um, and if you hate it and you want to be an artist, at least you have something that will pay the rent. Yeah. Right. And you can always work part time and mm-hmm. do your art. You can work per diem. Right. And yeah. you can do your art full time. But yeah. I would never discourage somebody no. out of it. Excellent career. Yeah. Good choice. You'll do well. We'll talk the shortages another time. Oh, but right God. now we're getting into space. Yeah. Great idea, by the way. Major Tom to ground control. It's I don't want to go into the bottom of the ocean and I do not want to go into space. Literally my daughter said today, if you could get evacuated space or die on earth, I didn't even let her finish. I die said on die on earth. Die I will die with blue skies, green grass. Here. Give me, yep. give somebody else my seat. Leave me If here. I need artificial air to keep me alive, mm-hmm. I don't want to be in mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested. Thank you very much. Nope. I've always said that. I will die right here yep. with right my two feet of the honor. Yeah. Well, my husband's a big scuba diver and his friend keeps trying to get me to scuba dive. Also said, something I'm not sure. I said the crust of the earth is where I live. <laughs> I live on the crust of the earth. I don't leave the crust of the earth. No. I will be on top of it at all times. I don't yeah. want to go under it. No. Nope. I don't want to go way above it. No. Nope. Crust of right the earth. Yeah. So he just said it to me the other day. I'm like, John, crust of the earth, honey. Yeah. So no. No, take it away, Sparkles. All right. So I did, um, I looked up astronaut health concerns. I didn't do like their regime of like getting ready for it, obviously. They have to be in shape. They have to be healthy. They go through like rigorous exams um, and all that stuff. But I did more of like the health concerns of what happens while you're in space. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the information from NASA.com and humans in space from Java, <laughs> J-A-V-A. Java, man. Java. Um, so there's five main areas of health concerns for astronauts. Um, NASA is researching these obviously very in depth. Um, for because like, okay, we used, we go to the space station. We've gone to the moon. Now they want, you Mars. know, we're going to Mars. So these are much longer missions. They're trying to understand all these health concerns before we send people out mm-hmm. for years. Um, and, like, they use the acronym RIDGE, 
for the health concerns. So it's space radiation, isolation and confinement, distance from Earth, gravity fields, and um, hostile closed environments. So those Why are the five want to concerns. Do any of this? I I don't know. So the first concern: space radiation. The surface of the Earth is ex- enveloped by like our atmosphere mm-hmm. and our magnetic field. So we're shielded from the majority of the particles that make up space radiation every day. Like mm-hmm. we don't get this radiation. Obviously, people on Earth are radiated every day from foods we eat, from things we do, from, you know, using things we use. But it's not the space radiation. We do not get that. In space, there is like no atmosphere or magnetic field. So astronauts are exposed to different and increased levels of radiation, mostly from, which is, this is my favorite new term, galactic <laughs> cosmic rays. That's a Intergalactic. What is that Beastie Boy song? Oh, yeah. I love that song. I love that song. The risks of being exposed to this radiation include increased risk of cancer, radiation sickness, changes to central nervous system, and degenerative diseases like cataracts and heart disease. Currently, NASA's strategy to reduce health risks caused by radiation is to implement improved shielding and radiation monitoring. They use simulated cosmic rays at their ground facilities to study the um, effects of the radiation at cellular levels and to develop better monitors and shields. So they, when they go up there, it's just like us in like rad techs or whatever. They wear the radiation monitors. They see how much radiation they're getting. Isn't there like a ton of radiation in space? It's wicked. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like they get, we have radiation here on Earth every day, but it's nothing compared to what's in space. Compared to what's in space, because we are completely shielded by that. Well, not, I mean, pretty much completely with the atmosphere and the magnetic field. Um, the second risk of space travel, second, is um, the risk from isolation and confinement. Yeah. Which that would be my biggest risk. That would kill me. Yeah. In, in your, it's dark. There's no sunrise. It's fucking dark out there. Yeah. Um. NASA very carefully chooses the flight crews for missions since these people will be um, confined together for months or even years. Oh, no. In a very small space Mm -mm. and need to be able to work together well. It's not like you're just sitting there. You are doing scientific research. Like You have to be able to work. Um, The crews are also usually multicultural and speak different languages, like especially on the Mm -hmm. space station. Um, so cross-cultural sensitivity and understanding is also important. You can't put like a bigot up there with people from different countries, you know, like you have to know who's going, what their thoughts are and how well, how well they they deal with diversity. Um, also up in space, sleep is a huge issue. Astronauts, circadian rhythm is completely, completely sunrise. Right. Because of different dark light cycles. Um, small, noisy environment of the... You're in this little teeny tiny thing. And it's loud. Constant. Um, stress. Because, you know, you're up floating in space. Yeah. And if you're on Mars, it's a 37-minute extended day. So your time is like... Completely off. Completely off. Um, you get bored mm-hmm. in spaceships and on the space station. <laughs> it sets in and it can affect, and it can, it can affect morale... Oh, and motivation of there. the flight crews because you're eventually shit. like, okay, I've been sitting here for a fucking month. Like, yeah. I'm floating around. Like, why don't, you know. Um, the more confined the space and the less contact with the outside world can lead to behavioral and cognitive conditions and psychiatric disorders. Mm-hmm. So NASA 
obviously has been studying people in isolation for years and has developed ways to counteract these problems. They use actigraphy <laughs> to monitor astronauts' sleep and alertness by recording how much they move and how much ambient light is around them. So they have like, I mean, these people are monitored to the right. gills. Um, they also use LED technology to help align their circadian rhythms. So they put on light. So it's like, it's outside and sunny. This. I don't want any of it. I don't either. But this is how they combat any problems. Um, and that if you improve the circadian rhythms it improves sleep, alertness and performance. Um, they have the astronauts journal. So they can study what is stressing the crews. So they're studying what you're journaling. So can if you like, imagine what my journal is? I am full shit <laughs> at the guy him. from Japan today because he you know, keeps asking for sushi. So they they study everything so they know like what stresses it so they can address it, you know, the next time these people go up. Um, they're using virtual reality to provide relaxing environments to help improve moods. So I don't know, you can put on like a VR headset and you're at like the beach on the thing so you can feel i know what they're trying um they have them engage in meaningful activities like learning a new language new medical skills you can also tend a space garden they have space gardens what the fuck are you growing space vegetables but it also gives them oxygen so i guess it's like a real good thing to do what he was doing in that martian movie with yeah 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 space god um yeah with matt damon um and that all not only does it prevent boredom but it boosts morale and it woods off depression to be actively learning something the third health concern is distance from the earth the space station is 240 miles above the earth jesus the moon is a thousand times further than the space station mars is 140 million miles from the earth so how long does it take to even get to mars yes Years? years these missions that to mars it's like the missions are years long no nope nope um like shit is real far away and it's not easy to get to if you get a problem if something breaks on you're it done. No, no one's dropping anything off no. to you you're you gotta figure it out <laughs> Here's your um, there's a and there's about a 20 minute communication delay from mars 20? so if you're like hey guys this thing's on fire they're Dude. not hearing it for another 20 minutes and then it takes another 20 minutes for you to get the reply why does anybody want to do this i don't know so if the astronauts need something emergently, they better pray they have the supplies Resources. or that they can problem solve to fix it because they're not, on their own. It's not coming. They're on their own. The space station receives supplies regularly from cargo flights from Earth. Can you just imagine? Mm-mm. Like there's just Mm-mm. regular cargo flights from Mm-mm. Earth going to the space station. Um, but missions to the moon and Mars need to bring all food, equipment, and medical supplies that they could need. And you have to do it compactly because you're in this little teeny tiny thing. Yes. What are we eating for all this time? I don't know. Apparently they have improved the food though. That also helps boost morale. So you're on your own. You're way too far from Earth. You gotta figure everything out. It's a huge health concern. If something happens to you and you need meds, you got what's on the ship and that's it. So um the fourth health concern is gravity. Gravity's probably the biggest problem with that. Yeah, because your body's meant to be in a gravity. Right. Gravitational uh, it's pull. It's used to having the gravity on it. Mm-hmm. So gravity is a big, huge problem. On Earth, we have gravity. A lot of it. On the flight to space, there is there's no gravity. You know, you see them floating around. There's nothing holding them down. When landing on Mars, there's about one third of Earth's gravity. So it's still way less than what we have. So transitioning from one gravity field to another is like a huge problem. It causes a lot of problems. When going from gravity to no gravity or less gravity, 
Um, many people show symptoms of a quote unquote space sickness, which is usually includes nausea, vomiting, and headaches. Interesting. It's caused because while on Earth, the vestibular organ of the yes. inner air sends info on gravity and acceleration to your brain. So that's like what that is sending to your brain. But we have gravity. gravity. It's holding us down. We're here. And if you're accelerating, it will send it to the brain. So it can keep us in balance. Um, when we go to a no gravity or less than gravity situation, the signals are obviously different. And the brain's like, what the fuck's happening? Mm-hmm. There's something wrong. And it makes you sick because it's it can't balance. It's It can't get you balanced because they're like, what? It's completely right. wrong. Um, it just makes you really confused, leads to the sickness. It usually subsides after a few days because then your brain's like, okay, this is where we're at now. This is, this is where we're right. living and it will even No out. gravity. We're here. No right. gravity. Um, when you return to an area of gravity, you can get gravity sickness. Because, again, this your, your the vestibular like, the organs like, boo, boo, now, we got, <laughs> now we have gravity, you know, and the brain's like, what the fuck? And it makes you sick again. And it's the same headache, nausea, vomiting. No, I'm good. Um, and that also will go away after a few days, once you regulate yourself. Um, when you are in a place with gravity, gravity pulls fluids down to your lower body. It makes it easy I for even think of that. Right, for your heart to pump through yeah. down to your legs because everything's being pushed down. When you go to space, your fluids accumulate in your upper body, which causes your face to swell, Ooh, your I mucous membranes of the of nose that, huh? to swell, which causes them to feel stuffy all yeah. the time. Um, after a few weeks in space, your fluids balance out and those symptoms will fade. Um, fluids shifts like that because it comes up into your chest and your face also cause problems um eye problems due to the pressure of all that fluid behind your eyes um so when you then enter a place with gravity either earth or if you go to mars because it will have more Mm -hmm. than if you're floating around this in space spaceship um astronauts can have orthostatic hypotension when standing up because gravity makes it harder for the heart to pump blood to the head because now you have to pump up. up. Yeah. And your body is used to pumping only down. Just right. So it's it's harder to do. Um in space, blood can be delivered to the head with less force. So your heart muscles weaken, causing dizziness when you stand. Interesting. Yeah. Because now you have to work it's does easy it, when you're in space to pump the right. blood to your head. You're probably going to tell me, does it come back when they hit gravity? Do they strengthen again or do they lose that? They will strengthen again. Okay. Um, your bones and muscles weaken while in space as well. We don't notice it, but our bodies are always resisting gravity on Earth. Like, we don't know, like, oh, God, the gravity's so hot today. Like, you don't feel like, oh, my legs are so sore, the gravity's so heavy. <laughs> That's where my plantar fasciitis right. hits all that gravity in swamps, God. But, but our bodies constantly... Fighting against the gravity strengthens our bones in our lower mm-hmm. extremities and our muscles. I feel it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> in space, you can maintain your posture without standing on your legs. So you don't use your legs to move around. So that weakens your muscles because yeah. you're not using you're your legs to yeah. move at all. It's like you're paraplegic. Right. Um, um, NASA has learned that without gravity, weight-bearing bones lose 1% to 1.5% of mineral density per month on a space flight so you will lose bone density on a space flight um per month every month you lose a one percent if it's year in a year to get back you're losing a ton of bone density 24 percent. yeah um nasa does functional tests and fine motor skill tests 
to detect changes in astronauts. Like while they're up there, they're like, okay, do this, do that, do this. So they can monitor if they're losing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, fluid distribution is closely monitored to help watch for vision, ta- vision changes. <laughs> um, compression cuffs are worn on their thighs while they're up in space to help mm-hmm. keep blood in the lower extremities. Like Benadine boots. Right. Um, but they don't pump it up. They want to keep it down. Mm-hmm. Um, they do spinal ultrasounds because a lot of astronauts complain of back pain because of the bone density and oh, wow. all that stuff. Um, so they do spinal ultrasounds to check how like all your mm-hmm. vertebrae are doing. And then they'll do um, MRIs to measure spinal changes or any bone changes. Um, and muscle mass before and after flights so they like okay this is what you were like before this is what you like now how much so they do get... they lose it just says about the bone density is one mm-hmm. to 1.5 um per month crew members perform periodic fitness self exams to help researchers understand the decline in the heart function that it can occur during a flight nasa is studying potassium citrate to help combat the physiological changes like the increased secretion of calcium from bones that increases the risk of kidney stones. So they can be up there with a fucking kidney stone. That would be brutal. Um, also, they are studying how bisphosphonate meds can help prevent bone loss. So they might be giving these people these like meds. Calcium sensor. Yeah. Um, NASA measures and tests astronauts' urine for information about their health. And if they need dietary changes, water intake changes, exercise adjustments... To keep them healthy. Um, astronauts also work out two hours a day to keep their heart healthy, bones and muscles strong, and their mind alert and well. They have, um, oh my God, what do you call them? The treadmills on the, sp- on the spaceships. Really? Oh, yeah. They like Is have to work out. Is it gravity on the spaceship? No. They Not float. on the um, space center? S- S- I don't space- think the space station, no. I think they float around there. Like they float down the tubes and stuff. I can't. Yeah. This is just horrible to me. Um. So, but they have to work out. And like, if they're like, okay, y'all losing more muscle. But how than do you sh- work on a treadmill if there's no gravity? I, I think they have a belt that keeps them down. Like, I think yeah, they have- still, your legs are just like, whoa, little, little, little. You know, I think they like, they're weighted down to it. So you are okay. standing on, you know what I mean? You're standing on your legs. Um, And they do other things. And they said they're using like virtual reality to do like, um like classes, like exercise classes with them. Like, so there's something else to do. It also helps keep you like, yeah, motivated, but the- the gravity's a real bitch. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and then the fifth... We're not meant to be in space. No. The fifth concern is hostile slash closed environments. So the spaceship itself has like its own ecosystem because you're in there for a long time. So the ecosystem in the spacecraft plays a huge role in everyday life for the astronauts. Microbes can change, char- can change characteristics in space and microorganisms are transferred more easily from person to person in that very closed, yeah, tight absolutely. habitat. Stress levels are elevated, obviously, <laughs> um, which allows, which alters um, the immune system, which can lead to allergies and autoimmune diseases. Yeah. Stress uh, is a funny thing. Yeah. Um, astronauts get a flu shot before mission to boost their immunity. Like they always give them a flu shot to boost them. And they are also quarantined before mission, like for a week or so. So, not, so no one's carrying something on there that's going right. to wipe them all out. Uh, NASA swabs the crew and space station regularly to check for any microbial growth. Blood and saliva are checked for changes in the immune system in reaction to latent viruses that can be carried by the crew members. Um, Crews must change air filters 
They must clean surfaces and treat their water to prevent illnesses. Um, and they're obviously like NASA is doing these tests, but these people, there's only like, you know, say five of them up there. They have to do all these things, complete the tests, and then send them the information. Um, obviously, NASA is constantly performing studies to check for health risks and how to improve or prevent them. One of the most useful studies was the twin study. It took place during the historical one-year mission from <laughs> March 2015 to March 2016. Um, retired astronaut Scott Kelly spent that year on the International Space Station. The year. No. Nope. 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 And his identical twin, retired astronaut Mark Kelly, remained on Earth. Wow. Those are some impressive twins. Yeah. Their genetic similarities gave scientists like an ideal control group. Like you mm -hmm. can't get a better control group and very little variables, which is like so important to a scientific investigation. Mm -hmm. The key points of the studies, the study, the first one was the study showed the resilience, quote unquote, resilience and robustness of how a human being, a human body can adapt to that many changes that the space flight environment, like you can change to it and yeah. survive it. Um, 91.3% of Scott's gene expression levels returned to normal within six months of landing. Oh, wow. So like things, your genes can change and everything, especially with the radiation and all that. 91.3% came back, came back to normal within six months. The degree of epigenetic changes seen in Scott were no greater than those observed in Mach. So nothing changed. Yeah. Um, the flu vaccine given to Scott in space worked exactly the same as the one given to Mac. They had the, their bodies had the same exact yeah. reaction to the flu shot. Um, changes to Scott's microbiome diversity in space was no different than the stress-related changes observed on Earth. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the second thing the study showed was that the study um, gave the most comprehensive molecular view of how a person responds to space flight. There were 10 individual investigations supported by 84 researchers in 12 universities from eight states participated Jesus. in the study. Um, and the twin study also helped identify key genes to help monitor the health of future astronauts. So they know, because, you know, they had two people with the same exact genes. Mm -hmm. They know, okay, we have to watch this for this, this for this, so they can now monitor everybody going forward mm -hmm. and see how anything affects them. So that was health. I really expect the from the twins. I'm not going to lie. No, that wasn't. Expected one to come back like jelly. In the no, end. it was fine. pretty much everything's the same. Well, the twins were very disappointing. I mean, maybe in a few years. It was only 2016. Very disappointed. But very disappointed. Well, Molara. Mm -hmm. I was going to do Apollo 13. Mm -hmm. But everybody knows about Apollo 13. Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, Ed Harris. It's a good movie. I love Ed Harris. When you're watching Apollo 13, they briefly reference the ship Apollo 1. Oh, they do, yeah. Mm -hmm. Briefly. Mm -hmm. So I decided to cover Apollo 1 because sure. we don't know about Apollo 1. More obscure. All right. Now, this really has nothing to do with space travel because they didn't get make it to space. <laughs> um, but it's on the realm and you know how I love my tragedies. So that's what we're covering. Okay. All right. Apollo 1. Mm -hmm. If you go to Cape Canaveral, mm -hmm. Cape Canaveral. Good job. Um, there's a little abandoned, like back in the fields, there's an abandoned area that always has bouquets of flowers on it. And it's just, if you look at it, it just looks like a concrete hull. That's mm -hmm. it. It's like a... Is this the one in Armageddon when Ben Affleck is talking to the I girl? I never saw Armageddon. What? No. 
Of all the movies you've seen, you've never seen Armageddon. I've seen Armageddon. I couldn't do it. So good. <laughs> well, it might be. Okay. Because so it's just. They're it, sitting in like one of those old shelled yeah, out. It's home. like an old shelled out thing. Yeah. Um, it is overgrown with weeds and trees. And there's a sign that reads, quote, abandoned in place. And there are three granite benches. One bench has the saying, Launch Complex 34, Friday, 27th of January, 1967, 1831 hours. The other bench has the names Gus Gussison, mm, mm. Grish, nope, Gus Grissom, mm-hmm. Ed White, Roger Chaffee, the Apollo 1 crew. Let's talk about the Apollo okay. 1 crew. All right. It's January, 1967. NASA is in a race to get to space. Mm-hmm. They have done other, uh, before Apollo, they were the Gemini mm-hmm. trials. These guys have been in space before on these Gemini trials. Mm-hmm. The Apollo 1 crew, their mission was never to get to space, uh, to the moon. It was to orbit the Earth twice and just test everything they would need to get to the moon. Okay. Um, NASA had been using a small company to build their ships called the mcdonald company and oh god i can barely see these papers um they the mcdonald company built the gemini lunar modules Mm -hmm. and they liked these because the astronauts could directly talk to um the boss jim mcdonald and tell him like we don't like this we don't like that fix this fix Mm -hmm. that they'd like the communication with them so for whatever reason nasa cancels that and they go with the north american company to build the apollo capsules mm-hmm. the north american spacecrafts were criticized for faulty wiring um faulty uh bad software leaky valves and dozens of other technical problems this, the astronauts hated yeah. the new company uh the other problem was that national uh what did i say it was national north american um was forced so north american is building these capsules and NASA's like, we want these capsules filled with pure oxygen. We don't want the earth mixture of oxygen and nitrogen. We want these capsules filled with pure oxygen. But astronauts against it, North Americans against it, but for whatever reason NASA decides this is what they want to have to do. It's very strange. As you know, oxygen's highly flammable. Okay. So they also found that um, North American had designed the hatch. The hatch was extremely difficult to get in and out of in these capsules. Mm-hmm. It would they wanted it so that it opened in mm-hmm. so that when the air pressure in the cabin opened, it would push out and right. they wouldn't worry about it blowing. Um they wanted the North American company wanted a single piece hatch fitted with explosive bolts so it would open quickly on an emergency. Mm-hmm. Um NASA hated the idea. They wanted this incoming hatch. And they were worried that these explosive bolts, I don't know why, but it just made me think of a James Bond movie, pss, 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 yeah. all these bolts flying out, that the explosive bolts would misfire in space, the hatch would open, the pan, they would get sucked out, that'd be the end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, the Apollo 1, they had an inward hatch, and you would have to, the, um, the pilots, the astronauts, because these guys were World War II pilots, right. Korea pilots, that became astronauts. Mm-hmm. It's like, they were talking about one of them. It was bizarre. So they would have to ratchet the bolts open. It would take a full two minutes for them to open the hatch. And even the strongest guy would have a hard time getting this hatch open. Okay. So um, the Apollo crew, 
So the crew did not like this hatch, FYI. The Apollo crew consists of Commander Virgil Gus Grissom. He is America's second man in space. He's already done space mm-hmm. travel. He was a World War II pilot. He was a Korea pilot. They said he um, got a letter one day from the government, report to this Air Force base. And he's like, huh, I guess I'm going to be retired. And they're like, we're starting a space program. They picked 100 pilots to be in the space program. He was one of them. Oh, my God, no. The other uh, is senior pilot Ed White. He's America's first spacewalker. Oh. And the third is a rookie pilot, Roger Chaffee. He's adorable. He's got these big dimples. And the plan, like I said, was to fly this 15-story Saturn IB rocket into Earth's orbit in late February. And they were going to go for two weeks, and they were going to work on the Apollo systems, trying to get ready Mm -hmm. for them to land. And Grissom had little (laughs) faith in the ship. He didn't like it. He thought all of the system was shit. He felt that the design was sloppy and unsafe. The simulations never went as planned. Um, the software never talked and never worked the way it was supposed to work. Mm-hmm. The um, everything was going wrong. Yeah, and he he did not like. He was. They kept saying this. This is terrible. This is terrible. I was googling last night. There is a picture of the crew, and they're all like hands in prayer. And there's a little tiny Apollo ship that they're leaning over. They took this mock picture the three of them with the hands in prayer as a joke hoping that the space gods would shake down like shine down on them yeah and they said you know we went to the bosses and we figured we'd go over their head and talk to god because if anybody's gonna help us on the space mission it's gonna be god um a journalist asks grissom what would make this apollo one a success he's like if we get back to earth safely that's what i'm going <gasps> to consider success the night before the plug out test that they were going to do on january 27th a fellow astronaut, Wally Shearer, pulls Grissom aside and he's like, quote, if you get the slightest glitch, get out of there. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. None of these pilots like the ship. Okay, so it's January 27th, the afternoon of Janu- January 27th. The crew is in their full spacesuits. Mm-hmm. The Apollo, little Apollo triangle, is sitting on top of this 15-story rocket. Mm-hmm. The, there's a you can't if you look at the pictures it looks like they're in a room but it's literally 15 stories high and there's a room that all these other astronauts are sitting that are running these tests for test takeoff so they're in the little they're in the actual capsule 15 stories high and they're being monitored by cameras and stuff in another room yeah. okay the um they immediately notice a sour, like they walk in there like it smells funny in here it smells like sour buttermilk and they run air samples they're like it's fine there's nothing wrong with the ship and they're like okay so the two-piece hatch is anchored in bolted in and then the exp- like a rocket hatch that when they're in space will blow off or something yeah. is additionally put over this so there's three different hatches put on top when they get in there mm-hmm. all right so they're sealed in the cabin, and it's filled with pure oxygen. Oh, God. Okay, and the, immediately the test is having problems. Immediately. The O2, in, the high O2 indicator keeps going off because it's well, pure it's oxygen, right? And it's setting the main systems off constantly. The crew is trying to c- talk to the people literally 20 feet away. They can't talk to them because the communications are bad. And Grissom's like, literally, his quote is, how are we going to get to the moon if we can't even talk between two and three buildings? Like, how, yeah. how is this going to work? We can't even communicate with you. So now it's 6.31 p.m. Mm. Stu Rossi, who was one of the astronauts, he's sitting 
in the blockhouse mm -hmm. and he's watching the monitors and this particular monitor he's watching is looking at the hatch. Mm -hmm. The hatch should be dark because there's no lights on in. Oh, sorry. My watch went off. Um, the hatch should be dark. He's looking at the monitor and it is illuminated white. He's like, mm, that shouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, he and the crew's biomedical sensors on the things are skyrocketing. It's uh, alerting them that there's increased O2 in the spacesuits. The other sensors start going off. Everything starts going off and they hear one word from Ed Chafee, fire. <gasps> then they have, we have a fire in the cockpit. Chafee is screaming, let's get out of here. We're burning up. That's the last transmission they hear oh, from these guys. Um, his transmission goes dead with a blood curdling scream <gasps> that was short and agonizing that's how oh. they describe it technicians who are now on the ground floor are also watching and the last thing they see is ed trying to get one of the bolts off oh. all right the whole thing whoosh, goes up in a fucking inferno oh. all right um they were wondering why they didn't get this hatch open why couldn't they get the bolts undone nope done white was able to only see like i said him underdoing the bolt uh the the bolts mm -hmm. one bolt gets undone fire and gorgeous apollo one and the inside heat and pressure sealed the hatch even tighter oh, because it's coming uh, from the inside yeah. of the thing it takes them five minutes to open the hatch and get into these guys all right by the time they get okay. in done and there's this thick heavy gray smoke coming from it that thick heavy gray smoke sent 27 rescuers mm. in for smoke inhalation that night so um it takes them five minutes to get in they get in all three crew members are dead mm -hmm. of course i have to go over the shit laurie you know how i am right yeah, i do know how i am i look at the autopsy photos why because i'm an asshole you are i am were they like mummified well when you read the autopsy report they claim these guys were dead and i i believe it they were dead within a minute oh from the smoke that hot from, i mean never right. mind the heat yeah and they're in their spacesuits, which are supposed to protect them from fire. So right. the smoke inhalation really is what killed them. They claim one of them is only um, burned over 60% of his body. It was unrecognizable as on the human. table. I'm assuming it was a human body. These, these suits are charred to shit, yeah. let alone the human remains in it. So these family members got dust back. Yeah. These guys were fucking incinerated Ugh. in there. It is... Investigators found that the fire probably was sparked there was wires underneath that weren't really coated and bare and it was under i think believe grissom's foot oh. and they sparked between the puro 2 the velcro the polyurethane mm -hmm. and the, all this flammable shit in there set the whole thing off poor guys were done so these guys i wanted to read what their legacy was after mm -hmm. that all right it's just a brief little reading the fire, as history remembers it, came close to derailing America's lunar goals. They, so this was going to be the end of right. it. After Grissom and Chafee were buried at Arlington and White laid to rest at his beloved West Point, recriminations began. So now people are going after North America. They're going after um, the NASA company about how bad shit was. Mm -hmm. So over the next year, however, Apollo is reborn like a phoenix from the ashes. The spacecraft cabin was pressurized with a 60-40 O2 nitrogen mix. Thank God. All flammable materials are removed. And a new single-piece hatch was installed that could be sprung open in seconds with a push from an astronaut's pinky. 
Aluminum plumbing was replaced with stainless steel. Coolant pipes were armored with high-strength epoxy. Wire bundles were encased in metal. Nylon was replaced with fire-retardant Teflon and paper minimized, including reading material. No books or magazines, wrote Wally Shearer, who was the guy who said, if anything goes wrong, get out of there, who commanded Apollo 7 in October 1968. We could not even take anything made of paper to play with, such as cards or puzzles. The Apollo fire remains one of America's darkest moments. It arose from an insatiable go fever and the perverse prioritization of schedule over safety. Mm-hmm. A cruel lesson that would be repeated during the Challenger disaster, disaster in 1920, uh, January 28th, 1986, and the Columbia disaster, February 1, 2003. I remember that one too. Mm-hmm. So they said, you know, their legacy is they made, made it, it safer. Safe. Yeah. And it was, what, Apollo 11 that finally lands on the moon. But we never hear about that story. No. I've never heard that story. I didn't know that. So I was really deep diving yeah. on that one. And I was in seventh grade music class when they wheeled the TV in. I was in second grade. And no, said, first grade. Hey, let's watch yep. Christy McCullough mm-hmm. go into space. And she blew up on TV. It was awful. And the teacher's like, oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. And here comes the news and Reagan. And the teachers were like, okay, go home. Just go home. Because the whole class had just watched all of them explode yeah. on TV. It was yeah. horrible. I was I was in first or second grade. Yeah. I was in seventh grade yeah. music class. We were little kids. And we just watched them blow up. Blow up. It was crazy. Yeah. So I have no desire. My son, who never. is in a submarine, which I would never do either, said, no. can't wait to go to space. Ah! Said, nope. Not What's me. wrong with him? Because he's, he's half a moron. <laughs> I mean, we figured that out really easy. <laughs> he, I'm like, no, there's nothing about that. that I would never get in a submarine. <laughs> I don't like going to the submarine up in Portsmouth that's on land mm-hmm. and you can tour it. It mm-hmm. makes me No, nothing crazy. about it makes me a good idea. He thinks it's freaking fantastic. And I don't want to go into any kind of submersible. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into space. And I don't want to go into space. I don't want to be in capsules of any kind for no. any reason. And Ever. you couldn't pay me enough money to do it. Let alone pay you $250,000 to do that. Not doing what? that. That's what the submersive people paid. Oh, yes, they had to pay. I know. They paid like, $250,000 no. to go down and see the Titanic. No. I can watch that shit on TV. No. I have no desire. Nope. Nope. No nope. one is supposed to be down there or up in space. Right here. So one of the things my mother has is my older brother talking about the moon landing when it happened in 1969, I think they landed yeah. on the moon. And she has a tape recording, has a little tiny voice because he would have been three or four. Mm-hmm. Talking about how exciting it was to see the astronauts yeah. on the moon. I was like, that's something. Yeah. I mean, that must have been cool to be those, like, watching them do oh, that. Yeah. Imagine being weird. Neil Armstrong and walking on the fucking moon. Right. But even just at that time, sitting at your house, watching them do that is like, this is insane. Did you ever watch the Wonder Years as a kid? Yeah. And there was that one episode with the Wonder Years where the parents lost all their tax receipts and they were getting audited or something. And he's talking about this in his mother's in church. And the backdrop to this is Apollo 13. Uh-huh. And he's like, I was convinced my mother was going to church and praying that her taxes would be okay. And he's, one of the things, he's like, Mom, what are you praying for? She's like, well, I'm praying for those poor astronauts. I'm like, could mm-hmm. you imagine those poor families? And she's going on and on. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, she was praying. Because imagine how scary that was. Yeah. What was it, three or four days? that they, You didn't know if these guys were going right, to die no, up I there. I can't even fathom that. You know? Yeah. So if you want to know about Apollo 13, watch the movie. <laughs> but you just got Apollo 1. <laughs> 
There's so, no movie about that yet. Thank you again, Hannah, for the great yes, ideas. Yes, thank you very much, Hannah. We keep taking any ideas you want to throw at us. Because yeah. um, like I said, topics are getting thin. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Have a great summer. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.